Welcome to What Even Is This, a podcast where we take our late night Google searches and PowerPoint party presentations to the next level. Hi, I'm Felix, and I'm a certified freak one day a week, and the rest, I'm sleeping. (laughs) Can confirm. (laughs) Um, I'm Charlie, and the Halloween blue moon ran me over last night, um, but that is uh, Cancer Sun lifestyle. (laughs) And I'm Rebecca, and... I'm just, you know, your local dumbass. <laughs> I'm figure my life out. Um, yeah, hello. hello. Hello and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Right. All right. This week we're looking at cannabis and its legalization within Canada, including descriptions of what it is, the effect cannabis has on people, the timeline of its legalization here, and how people of color are actually disproportionately arrested and convicted of crimes as well as the repercussions that actually come with legal pot. We would like to acknowledge the land before we begin. Um, We acknowledge that the land on which we as settlers are recording this podcast is that of uh, many indigenous groups and folks from across Turtle Island, and we are very grateful to be here. We have a long form land acknowledgement in our show notes um, that has detailed information and asks you to take a look over it if you can. As mentioned previously, as a way to demonstrate our commitment to action, we will be donating to different organizations each month that support marginalized communities. We decided that for the month of of October and November, we have donated to the two same uh, Indigenous movements that we also supported in October, um, and instead flipping around what we're donating to. So for November, Charlie and Felix will donate to support the 1492 Land Back Lane uh, movement, which is where Six Nation land defenders are preventing a housing development project of Mackenzie Meadows from being built, and they're specifically protesting the increasing development on Indigenous lands. And then Rebecca will be donating to the Toronto Indigenous Harm Reduction, which is a grassroots Indigenous-led support system that is currently assisting to winterize the camp, as many houseless Indigenous folks will be residing outside due to the housing crisis in Toronto. Links to both groups will be shared in the show notes in case you would like to donate. We would also like to link a non-monetary way in which you can support the Mi'kmaq fisher people as they stand against the threats of the settler fisher people and the lack of protection from the government. Um, hello. Um, how are you? How are you? Um, I'm like, I am run over. I no lies detected (laughs) in the beginning. I am run over. I feel like um the days are getting shorter and it's been rainy a lot uh here in the city and i'm sure all over ontario i feel like i've heard that people are sad it snowed friday (laughs) it was just tiktok confirms the sadness yeah Yeah, i feel like it's been dark and sad Mm. lately and we didn't we got an hour this morning today we're on the date of recording it's november 1st Mm -hmm. so daylight savings is now in effect um it didn't feel that good though so i was banking on that to like uh fix my problems so yeah i mean (laughs) same yeah how are you guys i woke up this morning and it was like 5 30 and i was like god damn it like it's so virgo of you to wake up at 5 30 (laughs) unprompted well like 
I talked about it with, like, my mom, and she was like, that means it was actually 6.30 when you woke up. I'm like, that's not that much better. Like, <laughs> just because it happened an hour, like, like no, no. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, but no. It's... Oh, my God. <sighs> the weather. The weather is the worst. It yeah. really is. It's the start of November. Like, mm. th- this is the time for the, the seasonal depression, for everything <laughs> to just come and punch us in the face. The oh. U.S. election is two days away. I, I like, like, literally, I, I can't even. I've been off TikTok all day because yeah, I can't think I can't. about it. It is truly, uh, it's like making my heart pull itself apart, really. Like, I just can't, yeah, I can't look at it. Oh, I'm no, I'm feeling nothing. On top of everything else. <laughs> my hope is by feeling nothing that it's not happening. You're fully numb. That's good. I keep seeing videos of all of these stores boarded up in, like, Washington, D.C., and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, The preparation for violence. I know, it's very yeah. alarming. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, should, we, should we get yeah, started? Yeah, jump in, then? Sebecca. Go to your question. All right. So... I guess before we really start going into like this deep dive, our first of the show, mm-hmm. um, do you, either of you have like any sort of like initial memories of learning about what cannabis first was or what kind of context that that actually like happened in? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember being um, quite young and there was weird smells I had questions about it. Um, like after lessons at the community center or like near my sister's schools, things like that, <laughs> there would be smells. Um, and for a long time, I think I thought it was skunk, but my dad used to like be like, haha, it's ganja. Do you know what I mean? And I had <laughs> questions. So, did you know what ganja um, was at that point? I just was like, what is that? And then we mm-hmm. had, talked a little bit about it. And then in my mm-hmm. grade school, I felt, I feel lucky that I had quite comprehensive. Um, like lessons about it in health class Mm -hmm. so that's when I like learned learned about it in a school setting probably in middle Mm -hmm. school yeah but yeah wow what about you guys yeah um Um, oh go go ahead ahead, Becca okay I guess I'll go ahead um I honestly don't have any sort of like explicit memories Hmm. about learning about what it was or like why people smoked it Mm -hmm. or anything like that but I do remember like, the first time I ever had to, like, learn about it in, like, a formalized setting was definitely, like, grade 10 health class, yep. mm. where everyone had to, like, pick a different drug to do, yeah. and my partner <laughs> and I just happened to be so lucky as to get, like, marijuana. <laughs> I just remember people being incredibly upset about it. They were like, oh, you took the best one, and I was like... The best one? Okay. It's because they definitely, like, either had tried it or had oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, yeah, actually, not to divert the question altogether, but mm-hmm. I'm curious in school when you fo- when you folks kind of felt um, like you had it present in school, like with your peers. Like for me, that was in high school, grade nine right away. But I know some people have it earlier or later. Did no, you feel like people were talking about it already in high school immediately? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, definitely talking about it in high school. But like but officially like... in a health class, it didn't come until grade 10 for us. No. Right, but like your peers, like, was anybody smoking? Ignore... Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um... But school was like, if we ignore the problem, <laughs> don't ask, it won't don't be tell. There, you know. Actually, yeah. Funny like... enough, even though my school was the polar opposite of yours, it was the same <laughs> in reaction. <laughs> That's very funny. 
Okay, sorry, Felix. What What about you? What was no, your first no worries? Honestly, so, kind of similar to you in that um, I remember when I was quite young, um, I was really curious, and I asked, you know, those like toddlers that ask too many questions and you really get <laughs> yeah. annoyed with them. That was me. You're welcome. Um, and so I would keep smelling skunk mm. as um, Charlie had that, as it happened to Charlie. And um, when we were walking through a big crowd of people one time, I said, like, what is that smell? Because I'm like, there can't be a skunk here. We're in the middle of the city. And my parents basically explained that there is a type of drug that smelled that way, Mm. um, that people often smoked, and Mm -hmm. that it wasn't good for me. And so that was that at that point. And I didn't really even know what the name of it was. And they never really Mm -hmm. discussed it any further. so then the first time I actually started actively talking about it and learning more about it and like actually talking about the name of it um, was when I was in elementary school, probably around, I'd say like fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we, I went to an international school and it was very common to be like, oh, like, where are you from? And so mm-hmm. I would say, oh, I'm from the Netherlands. And then people would respond to that. Oh, well, that's cool. Everyone smokes weed there, right? And I was like, what do you These fifth graders are worldly. That's like very interesting. These are also like mission kids. I would never have known. In fifth grade, I did not know that. In fifth grade, I wouldn't have known the Netherlands equals weed. No, No. I didn't know that until I was like older. Probably like maybe like 12. Probably like last week for me. Like I was late. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. So basically they were like, oh, like, you know, like everyone smokes weed to which I was like saying like, what do you mean? Mm. And then that would go into a further conversation about the quote unquote coffee shops in Amsterdam mm. and how you can go and buy a joint and just chill and smoke as if you were going to buy like a cup of coffee. Right. And then after getting that response a few times, I was like, well, I guess I need to figure more out <laughs> um, because why is this the common uh, like question when I lived there and I didn't feel like that was a thing. Mm. So, um, mm. I learned a lot about it. It's a very cool drug. I'm very for it. And also, it helped me to dispel like a lot of myths that right. are out there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I could honestly go on forever um, in relation to weed and the Netherlands, but I think that could be a whole other episode. I feel like with weed, it's interesting that you mention um, that you dispelled a lot of myths because I think mm-hmm. this episode, even before this i would say i felt like as an adult especially in a country Mm -hmm. where weed is legal i had a lot of knowledge about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but after like uh learning with you and i'm sure i'm gonna learn even more from especially the really detailed research that becca has done i -hmm. feel like um this is like important stuff to know especially because there's lots to unpack in terms of the negative connotations around it Mm -hmm. and who who gets saddled with that exactly yeah exactly So when we were looking into doing this episode, a few articles actually popped up that were like, um, using marijuana um, is not appropriate, it's a racist word, or it stems from racism, Um, so try using other words like, for example, like cannabis, Um, and so we were all like, that is something we need to look into, because we don't want to be using... um, Mm -hmm. phrases or words if it's not appropriate right um Mm -hmm. so i found a good article by angela chen from 2018 and it's uh the title was why it can be okay to call it marijuana instead of cannabis so first off the word marijuana is not actually racist 
It, however, can actually be tied to a past rebellion. And this happened when the European colonizers, well, they were all colonizers, but the Europeans first arrived in the present day Mexico and they forced the indigenous Mexicans to convert to Christianity. Um, and one of their rules with um, getting them to convert to Christianity was that they needed to stop growing uh, psychoactive drugs. Um, and instead what they did is the uh, Spanish got them to grow hemp for rope, to basically create rope. But then what happened uh, is that the indigenous folk discovered that the hemp plant can actually also be used as a psychoactive. Um, so what they did is they used it and to hide that they were using it, they started using coded language. So what they actually did is you'll find that many plants in Mexico have a version of a name with Mary in it. And that was to please the Spanish who pushed Christianity on them. And so the plant became known as marijuana. So cool. Which is very oh, that's awesome. So interesting. Yeah. Um, also, um, one of the kittens is here purring in case you can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then what happened is by the 1930s, an American government official by the name of Harry Anslinger uh, was using, and also other government officials, uh, were using marijuana in a derogatory manner. Um, they were uh, using it in a way to make the drug sound exotic and link it to specifically poor Mexicans, even though a lot of white people were also smoking weed. Um, Anslinger was influenced by elite Mexicans who also saw the plant as low class, um, and this was according to one of the sources in this article. Um, so this is actually where the idea of marijuana being racist comes from. Mm. It's because people in the past have used it in an improper manner. Um, yeah, I guess it was meant to basically um, identify a group of people as a certain mm -hmm. way, low class, potentially dangerous, mm -hmm. and separate them from other folks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which we see persists in lots of ways. So nowadays, an actual language divide exists. People who support legalization usually call the drug cannabis, and those who don't call it marijuana. So the idea around cannabis is that it should be legalized to help the quote-unquote good people. So for example, people who use it for chronic pain, um, so for medical marijuana. And by calling it cannabis, it gives it scientific legitimacy mm -hmm. and respectability. So, technically, cannabis is the scientific name. However, that's also not completely accurate. And I pulled a direct quote from the article, and it said, Can quote, Cannabis actually refers to a category of plants. The plant that people know and love or hate is cannabis sativa. So, cannabis sativa here is the species name. Um, and the jury is actually still out about whether there are other species of cannabis, for example, cannabis indica um, and cannabis ruderalis. Though, confusingly, people will use words like indica and sativa to refer to the species cannabis sativa. Mm. Um, and you'll commonly, you don't hear people use the species name. People will say like, oh, I'm getting a sativa or an indica or a hybrid. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so cannabis means also both the drug that people smoke, so the psychoactive component, 
and the hemp, which is actually not psychoactive and is used, for example, to make the cloth or the rope. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's the same plant used for different purposes and can use the same word, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes down to it, there will always be a variety of words that are used to describe uh, marijuana, but also all kinds of drugs. And that's because as the world is changing and growing, the names change and grow also, um, especially when you're using it in as coded language. Mm-hmm. Um, so replacing marijuana with cannabis, for example, in the case of legalization, it actually erases its history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quoted another bit from the article here, and it said, the term should be continued to be used so that people can be reminded about the problematic history mm-hmm. and the relationship we have with this plant and the type of relationships that it created between different populations. Um, and I think that's a great quote. And that's why I, and I'm glad we researched it because I'm glad I know yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel more comfortable using marijuana actually after knowing its history. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because now that I think about it, it's definitely people that are against legalization and definitely tend to only use the word marijuana. Mm. And even if you look at like legislation, mm-hmm. it's all the cannabis act Mm -hmm, as a way mm -hmm. to like legitimize and base it in science i think right so that's really interesting i didn't know that so before we actually move on to the next section i wanted to actually ask if we could take a quick break and actually all together like count up the different names we know or potentially use for weed basically oh Oh, wow okay so Um, we can start with you charlie Okay, one mm-hmm. is weed, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. is pot, mm-hmm. three is grass, but I feel like that's my dad talking about it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, like an older, that's grass. like a Gen X word for yeah. it. <laughs> um, four is marijuana, five is cannabis, mm-hmm. and then I think I'm, I'm, I'm honestly tapped out. And ganja. Uh, Ganja. Six. Okay, I mean, anybody else? People also call it the devil's lettuce. Shut but, like, up. That's, that's funny. incredible. <laughs> I forgot Wait, you've about never that. Heard that. I no. have heard about it, but it makes me laugh. Oh, you never heard. <laughs> makes me laugh. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's the devil's six lettuce. Six or seven. That's seven. Seven. Okay. Any more, Becca? I I really can't think of like any more. To be perfectly honest. Charlie, like do you know Mary anymore? Jane. Oh. Mary oh yeah, Mary Jane. Jane. Okay, fair enough. Like yeah, basically like um, variations of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's more, but like I also don't sit around thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about it. About I think, different or things. like usually, like if I'm referring, I don't. This may t- be totally wrong because I don't smoke it a lot. But like usually, when I call it a blunt, I'm referring to blunt. Like, I'm that's thinking like it's thing, like no, the it's a that's roll a specific. That that's what. Okay, well, actually, that brings us to the next section Ooh, really well. Okay, great. <laughs> so before we hop on to that. Um, there is within the like National Institute on Drug um, Abuse, which is an American um, institute, but like uh, it still applies to you know science, and I'm sure it's the same mm-hmm. across the border. Um, there is a bit of a difference in terms of like um, using the word cannabis versus marijuana mm-hmm. in terms of like scientific um, analysis. So cannabis is the name of the plant, the species, the the overall. Um, genus i guess as well mm-hmm. but marijuana is actually used to refer to the dried aspects of the plants like 
the leaves, the bud, the stem, whatever it is you actually end up smoking or ingesting. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and within that, the plant actually ends up containing the mind-altering chemical THC, uh-huh. as well as other compounds, and extracts can actually be made from the plant as well. But people can smoke marijuana in hand-rolled cigarettes, which are used, which are actually called joints. Um, or, or they can do it in pipes or like bongs or whatever. Mm. Um, and blunts are where they empty cigarette or cigars, sorry, um, that have been uh, then refilled with marijuana. Interesting. A oh. uh, blunt is compared to. That's really. I never knew that. I thought joint and blunt were the same. Me too. Well, that's I, yeah, because I our friends like interchangeable. Also yeah, I feel <laughs> like our friends use them interchangeably. That's where I got it from. I mean, I think. A lot of people use them interchangeably, but I think for like study, re- like like in research purposes, there's a distinction mm. in the way. Interesting. But then, okay. and then people will use these, like the bongs, the pipes, mm-hmm. the joints, mm. um, all that, um, and then smoke the marijuana, right. which then ends up pulling out the active ingredient THC, um, and then people inhale that, and then use that as a way to get high or you can ingest it um you can actually well you put usually most people know it as being put in like brownies or like cookies or something Mm -hmm. but you can have it in candy and drink and you can actually brew it to make like your own tea yeah um yeah yeah right so that's a little bit about the different delivery methods (laughs) (laughs) so then i think i just wanted to touch on a little bit about what a high actually is and how it works yes please because do. i think a lot of people they know what a high is but they don't actually know what a high is yeah. you know what i mean yes. okay yeah. so basically when you smoke marijuana the effects are actually experienced pretty much right away and you can feel this sensation of like euphoria this kind of sense of peace or things may actually seem funny <laughs> to you um and you can also you know get the munchies where you oh, get very yeah. very hungry almost mm. all the time um and <laughs> since you can also consume marijuana through food or drinks mm-hmm. um the high that you get from that is not instantaneous mm-hmm. and that can, it can actually take up to a little over an hour for you to actually feel the effects unless you don't take a high enough dosage mm-hmm. where you know you're not going to be feeling anything at all um, but consuming it is going to decrease the amount of THC that actually gets into your bloodstream and into your body. Mm-hmm. Makes but sense. But not everybody, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, right? But not everybody's going to react in the same way, mm-hmm. um, to smoking or ingesting weed. Um, mm-hmm. and people can actually have negative experiences with it in terms of, you know, becoming very paranoid or anxious. Yeah. And these states are actually usually triggered by smoking or ingesting too much. Mm-hmm. So not overdosing because that's not what it is, but just like consuming a bit too much. It's like when you drink so much that you kind of like black out, mm. but just like in a different way. Oh, are they actually call it you green, green out? Yeah. Green out, you green out. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Been there, done that. Not fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And actually, small uh, detectable amounts of THC can actually remain in the body for days to even weeks after initial Mm -hmm. use. Um, But the noticeable effects will generally last um, 
one to three hours if smoked, mm-hmm. but um, it can last longer if you ingest it. It may last for a couple hours longer. So it, yeah. the way in which you want to experience a high will generally inform you as to the way in which you want to take mm-hmm. the drug. Yes. So if you want it to be boom right away, the most effective, you should smoke it. If you want a high that's going to be a little less in your face, boom, and doesn't hit you right away, you're going to want to ingest it. Oh, man. In our episode notes, I think we should include in our document of our sources in case you want to read anything we talk about. I also want to include a ton of TikToks about this stuff (laughs) because there are so many good TikToks of people joking about how an edible will hit you four hours later and you forgot you took it. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I'll be linking the TikToks. (laughs) And these are actually all from the NIDA website, mm, awesome. and we'll have all of the show uh, the links in the show notes. Yes. But in terms of how the physiological, like how it actually happens in your body, mm-hmm. um, so THC, which is a chemical compound which causes you to get high, that's found in marijuana, actually is something that is quite similar to molecules that will attach themselves to the cannabinoid receptors which ends up disrupting regular functioning and triggers the release of dopamine, which is the neurotransmitter that like makes you feel really, really good. Right. And because it disrupts these systems, it actually leads to impairment in things like judgment, like reaction time, all of that sort of thing, which is why you're not allowed to drive when you're high. Right. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I know a lot of people when they made enough, when they legalized uh, weed and then they were like, okay, so now you can't drive high. And a lot of people were like, oh, like, I am fine when I'm high, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm-hmm. it makes me so I upset. don't understand Ugh. because I cannot Ooh. do it. I can barely no. like form a sentence. Like even now, <laughs> things are slower because I did take some oil before we started. So <laughs> for pain, but also even if I didn't take it for pain, it's fine. I just yeah. think that um, just any substance really that's going to alter mm-hmm. your brain function, it's only natural to want to make sure people aren't operating heavy machinery, oh, cars are heavy exactly. machinery. Like, exactly. I wouldn't want you to get on a forklift either. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like, I mean, if you treat it the same way you treat um, alcohol, mm-hmm. in the way that that impairs your judgment, it's going to impair it, obviously, in, like, different ways. But it's yeah. still... Alcohol is technically still a drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you compare it in that sort of sense, it makes sense as to why you should not be operating heavy machinery. You shouldn't be driving. You shouldn't be working. All of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, that depends do on you. what you do. <laughs> yeah, what's your you job? You do you. <laughs> uh, follow your policies and procedures of your company. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not advocating for anything. Uh, but yeah, so that's a little bit about the sound, the science of how it works, what a high looks like, all of that kind of stuff. So now that we know a little bit more about how cannabis actually affects people physiologically, it's important to actually look at the legal history cannabis has mm-hmm. within Canada so we can figure out um, where it is that we've got or how it is that we've got to where we are, especially in terms of the legislation and the legality surrounding marijuana. Mm. So I'm going to run through a quick timeline, which okay. I found on the website Leafly. Um, it was, sorry, <laughs> written by Lisa Rowe in 2017. So it is a little bit old, but if you, I'm not going to hit all of the notes or all of the points that she 
has in the article. Um, so if you want a more um, complete list, you can go to the website, which will be linked in the show notes. <laughs> All right. Um, great. So I'm going to start with 1923, almost 100 years ago, which is crazy That's to think nuts. about. Wow. But anyways, I know I don't. I don't love the passage of time, (laughs) but, um, so in 1923, cannabis was actually deemed as an illegal drug alongside narcotics, such as opium, cocaine, and morphine under the narcotics drug act amendment. Um, and then in 1937, which is about 14 years later, I know it's a bit of a jump. Um, that was actually when the first marijuana seizure was made by Canadian law enforcement. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. So quite good chunk of time in between Mm. but you know shit happens or I guess doesn't (laughs) uh right so then in 1968 again we're jumping the number of cannabis convictions actually grew to 2300 in light of the increased usage among college students (laughs) and the hippie counterculture that was Uh. immensely popular at the time so as you can see within even just 30 years um a, a massive increase in the amount of people that are being charged with cannabis possession and use. Hmm. Then in 1969, a year later, um, the Ledain Commission, which was essentially a group put together to investigate the non-medical use of cannabis, as well as other drugs, was actually founded. Interesting. And then, yeah, three years later, they actually released their report on cannabis and recommended that the government recruit remove <gasps> criminal penalties for use and possession. Oh my god. What? But, I didn't yeah, realize how so, far back this went. Yeah, so this was in the early 1970s. They wow. recommended that the government just remove any sort of like criminal um, con- like penalties or convictions for use or possession. Damn. But there wasn't any move to um, legalize that was actually taken up by the government. So if you think that's like 40 years ago. Wow, that's really crazy. Yeah. I'm upset. That's really crazy to think about, actually, because wow. Do you know how like think about how many people? Like think about in that time how many people were arrested, convicted, and incarcerated for marijuana possession. One hundred percent. Like we'll talk about (laughs) incarceration rates a little bit later. And there's people who are still, I guess, paying the price for that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Even post legalization, which I know we're going to chat about more later, but. Keep going, Speca. I'm This is so wild. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're going to jump quite a bit to 1996, the year we were born. <laughs> um, just for some context, I guess. <laughs> That's our age. Um, but <laughs> yes. So in 1969, a man by the name of Terrence Parker was actually arrested for cannabis possession, cultivation, and trafficking of cannabis after being caught growing it in an effort to control his epileptic seizures. The charges he then went on to actually repeal to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Wow. And then four years later, the Ontario Court of Appeal ruled that the prohibition of cannabis was actually an infringement on on Parker's right to life, liberty, and security of the person, therefore actually rendering cannabis prohibition unconstitutional. Wow, 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 wow. So that is actually the beginning stage. Yeah of the legalization of medical marijuana. I see. So then in 2001, the government actually enacts the first rendition of the country's medical marijuana law, the MMAR, 
which allows licensed patients to grow their own cannabis or access it from licensed growers. Wow. Yeah. So that's crazy that it's about like 20 years old um, or almost 20 years old, I guess, um, ma- medical marijuana, because I mm. thought that was like a much more recent thing. Me yeah. as well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's wild to think about a lot of this. But yeah. All right. So then in 2003, the liberal, the liberal government at the time under Jean Chrétien, Chrétien, I can't fucking speak French, so <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for any mispronunciation. Um, but his government actually introduced the first medical or the first federal marijuana decriminalization measure, which would actually reduce possession of up to 15 grams to just a civil fine. But the bill actually died due to immense pressure from the DEA, which is the Drug Enforcement Administration, which is a law enforcement agency that operates under the Department of Justice in the United States. Um, Excuse me? (laughs) So the only reason that we did not get this update to the law in 2003, mainly was because of the fucking United States and their intensely unjustified war on drugs which is an entirely other episode but yeah (laughs) wow okay keep going so i'm like my brain is i think melting out of my head a little bit because (laughs) my thought was that i guess because we are ahead in a lot of ways with legalization Mm -hmm. nationwide versus the states Mm -hmm. i hadn't thought that much about their influence on our legalization process so hearing this is really really nuts but keep going sorry to interrupt you okay no 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 it's okay it's okay it's it's a little crazy to think about but anyways right so a year later in 2004 the same bill was actually introduced under paul martin's liberal government but it also ended up dying um because his government ended up getting defeated so tragic wowzer yeah also actually just to interrupt you once more i'm so sorry this is like okay reawakening my middle school knowledge of the prime ministers (laughs) like whoa (laughs) i I don't recognize these names i I recognize i don't think you're in canada at this point (laughs) that's true you're you're forgiven i can tell you all the 50 states is it 51 states 50 51 okay 50 states i can name you them all and i also at one point could name all the presidents that international but I cannot life. tell you who all the prime ministers in Canada were. I recognize it's okay. John I don't Kitchen. remember either. I, I recognize Paul Martin. I recognize Stephen Harper, and but then, he was but Harper onward. He's, we were like, he's coming up. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> Speaking of Harper, not to totally tangent, but as a young kid, I was mad about his crappy environmental acts that he's putting into place specifically the clean air act and me as a child was like i won't stand for it so i wrote a letter to his office (laughs) i'm like 11 (laughs) saying that it was crap and that it wasn't um wasn't a strong enough effort to basically help make our lives better is what my letter said and so his under i forget what the the position title is but obviously not him he doesn't have time for me but someone in his office wrote back a letter and sent back a signed photo and i was like i don't think you understood that that was a disparaging letter like i don't like you i don't want your autograph like <laughs> but oh my anyway. god <laughs> sorry to derail let's keep that's going that's okay that's okay but you were yes. saying in 2006 i believe in 2006, yeah. Prime Minister Stephen Harper, mm-hmm. that little bastard, 
I'm so sorry. Um, but anyways, he announced a new national anti-drug strategy, mm. imposing mandatory prison sentence on cannabis dealers, <gasps> and anyone charged with growing more than 500 plants would end up facing um, a two-year minimum sentence. Um. Oh my god. Excuse yes. me? Yes, but this five years later, in 2011, Justice Donald Taliano ruled that the medical marijuana program and its prohibitions against possession and production of cannabis were actually constitutionally invalid in order that the government fix the program. Wow. Okay. So what right. did fixing look like? I'm so curious. So in 2013, the government implemented the Marijuana for Medical Purposes Regulation, the MMPR, mm. which created a commercially licensed industry for the production and distribution of medical cannabis. Okay, so this is, I think, what I thought was the beginning in my brain. Yeah. Because I knew yeah. in the early 2010s, there was, um, avail- like, there was, of course, talk about... Um, not easily available, but available for those who had extreme pain, like specifically folks like that mm-hmm. have cancer, for example, mm-hmm. um, could get access to medical marijuana. But mm-hmm. I guess in my brain, I always thought that that was the beginning of the process. When really it's yeah, like that's... the efforts of many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. But actually around the time, the ma- a man actually, uh, named Neil Allard actually ended up challenging the MMPR for suspending personal production licenses from patients because it required patients to only access cannabis through licensed producers. Um, Mm. And the Federal Court of Canada ruled in Allard's favor and revised the law yet again um, to basically allow patients to be able to grow their own cannabis if they wanted to. Interesting. Okay. I want to grow a plant. As a side Apparently they're You're really, allowed to. They're really, um, they like a lot of water and a lot oh, of light. Like ba- yeah. They're yeah. really intense. They have gonna... super specific conditions they need, but just for fun. I want to see if I can do it in these conditions. <laughs> like, like grab a An investigation seeds. station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all of this actually ends up leading up to 2015. Which was in the, which was a federal election year for Canada. Ah, uh, yes. And as part of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party's 2015 bid for leadership of Canada, one of the Liberal Party's platform was actually the legalization and regulation of cannabis. Mm. And this is actually, I have a quote directly from his party platform document, which was taken from a CBC article, which will be linked in the show notes again. Mm. So, quote, to ensure that we keep marijuana out of the hands of children and the profits out of the hands of criminals, we will legalize, regulate, and restrict access to marijuana. We will remove consumption and incidental possession from the criminal code and create new, stronger laws to punish more severely those who provide it to minors, those who operate a motor vehicle under while, un- while under its influence, and those who sell it outside of the new regulatory framework, hmm. end quote. And that's on page 55 of the 88-page document, if Mm. you're interested. That's a lot of pages. (laughs) Right. So then in 2015, Trudeau ends up winning the election with a majority government. Um, And we'll get into the purposes of legalization a little bit more when we actually look at the legislation that was introduced. Um, But in 2017, the government under Trudeau ends up introducing the Cannabis Act. And in 2018, the Cannabis Act goes into effect legalizing cannabis for adult use nationwide i like remember this crystal clearly me too this i don't was know a why years ago. 
Uh, don't let's don't okay let's okay (laughs) i love being dragged okay listen i know my brain is a sieve but like okay the reason i say that is i feel like it's kind of a flashbulb memory is that what they're called Mm -hmm. where i feel like i can remember where i was like i remember talking about this and we were i know we were all still in school at this time like talking about this with pretty much everybody like in clubs Mm -hmm. in classes Mm -hmm. because it was such a big deal Mm -hmm. and also i remember specifically the day the government site went live because a lot of people were talking Mm -hmm. about purchasing um, mm-hmm. And there was like pictures of like lineups, and then everyone yeah. who like had their own dealers was like, "Y'all are dumb. You're behind, yeah, <laughs> yeah, things like that." And I also remember around that time there being the start of some raids and stuff of like um, non-legal, the, dispensaries. non-legal dispensaries, yeah. things like that. Yeah, too. Um, like I remember in Hamilton, mm. there were so many illegal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like not to like physically and geographically place no, but myself. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Um, but I remember that there were a lot of dispensaries that were being shut down just yeah. because of the way that Ontario handed out licenses, the, yeah. the licenses, because mm. it was a lottery system. Yeah. Now that's changed because they realize that there's such a big demand mm. for legal cannabis stores mm. and they're like too tired <laughs> to yeah. regulate like that. So, yeah. Well, something I've been thinking about um, since we've been researching this, and I'm, maybe you'll touch on it, but maybe this is something I'll research later on for an mm-hmm. investigation station, mm-hmm. is thinking mm-hmm. about governmentally how beneficial it was for the government to um, move toward like a non-lottery licensure um, style of well, they dispensary because of it's so profitable. That's what and I was going to say. Also, they have deemed themselves an essential service. So since mm-hmm. COVID started, this has actually been good for them because pe- more people are probably at home. And we're all stressed, them. frankly. Yeah. Like exactly. I just, just like, like alcohol sales has probably skyrocketed. Yeah. yeah. Marijuana scales. Also, the idea that more people probably like that's what something I was interested in thinking about, mm. which I might again touch on later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But just thinking about what are the rates of people actually like legally buying cannabis because there's like a report later on that I can talk about about what it looks like after legalization. Mm -hmm. But that's so since COVID and like the just the fact that like you can order and like get delivery for your cannabis. We recently did that. that, It was really actually amazing. Um, Yeah, like has that like service now increased well you know what they i realized like besides making a bit more official and what even is that they really stole the process from the people that came before them so literally like Mm -hmm. when you have a dealer or a dispensary before legalization and even now still that you want to get products from there's stuff like weed maps for example yeah and you'll go on there and find like one if you don't already have like a set contact you'll find someone to get in touch with and they'll basically come and deliver it and what happens Mm -hmm. is they usually like let you know in between a window when they're coming and then someone comes and delivers it like it's not in the mail like it's hand delivered yeah and that's what the ontario cannabis store is doing like because i went to check and i was like i don't know like is it coming through canada post and that's an option but it actually comes faster with someone who delivers it and they text you when they're close you come out now the difference is is that um you before well when i've ordered from not the store (laughs) (laughs) you send them your id beforehand and they confirm yeah. that you whoever is they're texting is 19 years old. Um, and 
you don't have to when they you pick up the product from the person like the delivery person comes you don't have to show your id versus with the okay. ontario cannabis store you have to show your id to the person who's dropping it off um yeah. and then they confirm that you're kind of like the lcbo like you have to prove yeah. your age it's to like, even yeah purchase yeah but it's really yeah. interesting um and just one last thing i want to mention here is that mm-hmm. the date of 2018 when cannabis was legalized only certain cannabis products were legalized yes exactly mm-hmm. only yeah. recently became uh legal so that's also yeah. been a very interesting experience yeah yes i will definitely touch on that okay perfect. <laughs> later on <laughs> that's okay um but now that we've kind of run through the timeline we wanted to address a little bit um i guess the elephant in the room we've been dancing around a bit Mm -hmm. but the racism in canada in relation to um weed and the way that plays out in our justice system so arrests Mm -hmm. and charges on the basis of possession or dealers Mm -hmm. um so there was a really amazing um investigation done by vice in april of 2018 where vice news basically submitted freedom of information requests to 14 different police services across canada and they were requesting for single charge possession arrests um statistics broken down by race age and gender and unfortunately uh they didn't receive full information from a lot of the police services on the basis Mm. of the fact that and it's so nuts that they can say this but essentially for um nationwide police services are not required to keep data on the race age and gender of folks that they arrest which is really insane like so for example like the opp yeah for example like um or like the rcmp or something like that so the opp for example um ontario police they couldn't provide a breakdown by race because they had decentralized quote-unquote records um and then winnipeg police for example said they couldn't provide race data because they didn't um include that information in their arrests at all and then montreal police provided stats but they didn't include everything from (laughs) that data that was requested and then st john police um provided stats but they couldn't include the race because they didn't they didn't record it unless it was related to an incident so for example if it was a hate crime then they would include the race isn't this like this This blew my mind and i don't know if it's still true it's something that i need to research more this was two years ago, and this is two years ago but Mm -hmm. another thing that's really it's a pity that it wasn't included in the article and i looked it doesn't seem like it was updated but the toronto police is not included in this which is so insane they didn't hadn't provided Mm. data at the time of reporting but anyway um only six of the 14 police services actually met the request as it was um sent in by vice news so regina halifax calgary edmonton vancouver and ottawa all were able to provide semi-complete um data i'm curious i know it's really crazy um but you they basically had then two u of t criminologists so akwasi owusu bempa and alex lescom both reviewed and provided analysis on the data Mm-hmm. Um, and they found, unsurprisingly, that Black and Indigenous mm-hmm. people have been overrepresented in possession arrests since Trudeau became Prime Minister, which is based on that police data um, and also research showing that use is similar in racial groups proves that it's an overrepresentation. So there has right. been research that shows essentially across all races, everyone's using weed like, yeah. in yeah. similar numbers. Well, as previously, like in the beginning, like with 
the American politicians like saying, "Oh, it's oh, only yeah. poor Mexicans." Like, no, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. everybody else is using it. it. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a really striking bit of data that came across in places like Regina, Saskatchewan, and Halifax. Um, and for example, mm-hmm. Indigenous people in Regina were nearly nine times more likely to get arrested for cannabis possession between 2015 and 2017 than white people during that time, oh. which nine times is like an insane number. Like yeah. that is so that, like, crazy. Like more than one is is too much, it's but like nine. Nine. So for every one white person, there's yes. indigenous people. Yes. This is crazy. And then black people in Halifax were five times more likely to get arrested for possessing weed than white people. Um, and Jesus basically, Christ. there was a really great quote from. Um, the, one of the U of T criminologists, Owusu Bempa, who basically said, quote, we know that the rates of cannabis use are relatively similar across racial groups. So the fact that specific groups have been disproportionately targeted for drug law enforcement, especially black and indigenous populations, strengthens that need for amnesty and for pardons. Because those mm-hmm. groups have not only been disproportionately targeted they have been disproportionately harmed by the consequences of having a criminal record and that i think is such an important distinction and it really struck me when i read the article Mm -hmm. is not only are they being harmed by being targeted they then Mm -hmm. are facing the repercussions at a disproportionate level and again it's showing that our war on drugs here marginalizes mm-hmm. 100% and the war on drugs here in Canada is very racialized yes. <laughs> we like oh, to absolutely. generally pretend and I know we're going to talk about this over and over and over on our podcast but <laughs> we like to pretend that racism is not a seriously like a serious of an issue over mm-hmm. here and that's just not mm-hmm. the case or even the war of drugs exactly that that's yeah. not an issue war here either drugs, but yeah if I highly highly recommend this article it is so detailed and provides a really interesting breakdown of all of the cities that took part um in full so if you would like to read it again it's going to be in the show notes unfortunately toronto police data was not included but there's a ton of information about the cities that did participate even if they had incomplete data sets so highly highly recommend but basically as we would have guessed um specifically marginalized groups black and indigenous folks as well as people of color in general are targeted (laughs) way worse um despite uh the fact that everybody is using weed like yeah it's not surprising but it's disappointing for sure that yeah it's mm-hmm. incredibly disappointing but i don't know sebeka tell us a little bit more about legalization since we're at the point where things have been legalized right right <laughs> so as we talked about earlier the liberal platform in 2015 had a number of reasons for actually legalizing cannabis and um Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit now. Um, This actually comes from the Government of Canada website, specifically the Justice Laws website, which you can find, again, in the show notes. So the purpose of legalization is to, quote, protect the health of young persons by restricting their access to cannabis, protect young persons and others from inducements to use cannabis, provide for the illicit production for cannabis, to reduce illicit ac- illicit activities in relation to cannabis, deter illicit activities in relation to cannabis through appropriate sanctions and enforcement measures, hmm. reduce the burden on the criminal justice system in relation to cannabis. Interesting. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> yes. Keep going. Keep going. Provide access to qual to sorry quality control supply of cannabis. Are wrong. And Enha- and enhance public awareness of the health risks associated with cannabis use. So essentially, this Cannabis Act was actually passed 
in an effort to one, you know, actually legalize marijuana and two, as an effort to stop the illegal drug of the sa- or sale of the drug. Um, and three, to stop it from getting in the hands of m- the minors. Right. Um, but I think it's also now a way for the government to then generate more money mm. through the high taxes on the product. Um, because I know in Canada, we actually have really high taxes on alcohol. We do? Um, yes. It's also very highly, it's very high priced. Mm. Wait, what? Like, it... if you look mm-hmm. at the, the, the price of alcohol, um, in Canada compared to like the States, our oh, prices yeah. are a lot Much higher. higher. That's true. And we pay something called a sin tax. Um, so basically, which is like a really weird way of putting it, but it's essentially like you pay a bit of a higher tax to do something that is not good for you, like drink alcohol. Wait, so basically, wild. so basically the way like, and now cannabis having been legalized is another way for the government to generate more. So this is what I was talking what about is this earlier. tomfoolery? Is like, just like the LCBO, for example, which is a controlled way yes. of yeah. alcohol being distributed. It's so profitable mm-hmm. for the government. Yes. This is really interesting. Well, that's why they're in essential service right now. Oh, my They're making gosh. so much money off of it. They're making so much but money. But sorry to interrupt, Sebeka. You keep going. Of course. So now I'm going to talk about a little bit about what can, uh, what legalization specifically means. And this also comes from the Canadian Department of Justice website. And it's essentially a breakdown of what people are allowed to legally possess based off the Cannabis Act. I see. So as of October 17th, 2018, um, subject to provincial or territorial restrictions, because it is cannabis is something like alcohol that is restricted based on the province or territory that you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but subject to those different restrictions, adults who are over the age of 18 are actually legally to are legally able to possess up to 30 grams of legal cannabis, dried or the equivalent in a, dry, in a non-dried form, sorry, in public. So in public, mm. you're only allowed to possess that much. Did, and oh, sorry, sorry. Did you know mm-hmm. that 30 grams? Like when I was thinking about it, I'm not good with measurements. <laughs> so I'll also, when I'm like buying stuff, I like have to think about the calculation every single time I go to use it. For example, mm-hmm. I'm putting, I'm getting oil. I do not remember how much I have in there, actually, for example, of THC. Anyways, but did you know that 30 grams, when it especially comes to it um, in the non-dried form, it easily adds up. So, for example, I put through an order um, recently through the Ontario Cannabis Store, and they actually measure it, and they say you have to be at it or under, because otherwise it won't let you check out. And I bought a bunch of things, but if I think about... 30 grams worth of flour versus mm-hmm. um, what I bought. Mm-hmm. It's like very interesting. Like depending on what you're buying and getting, the 30 grams is not that much basically. It's yeah. not. No. I mean, I have um, what the like equivalent is for a couple of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But um, I'll just finish up these restrictions. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So you're also only legally able to share up to 30 grams of legal Mm. cannabis with other adults um, in public. You can only buy dried or fresh cannabis and cannabis oil from a provincially licensed retailer um, or an online federally licensed one. You're only able to grow um, from 
from licensed seed or seedlings up to four cannabis plants per resident okay. for personal use. Got this, four plants. There you go. Um, <laughs> you're also allowed to make cannabis products like food mm-hmm. or drinks um, at home as long as um, organic solvents aren't used to create the concentrated products. Hmm. Wait, um, but what do as- they mean by that? So you're only allowed to, so like you can put it in like food or like make like weed butter or something like that, but you're not allowed to like essentially like titrate or like dilute it I see. in a oh. way that you can make your own compounds from it. Mm, okay. Um, like I don't think you're allowed to legally make your own like CBD oil or something like I see. that. Okay. But, That's interesting. Yeah. At least that's how I interpret this. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of a year later, so October 17th, 2019, mm-hmm. um, edible cannabis products were also legal yes. to, were legalized to be like purchased through the cannabis store. Mm-hmm. So you, that means you can have like edibles or like drinks or something like that. Anything that you're um, basically but the possession not limits, smoking or whatever. Yes, Exactly. But the possession limits that um, I just mentioned only pertain to dried cannabis. And one gram of dried cannabis is actually equal to five grams of fresh cannabis, Mm -hmm. 15 grams of edible product, Mm -hmm. 70 grams of liquid product, uh, a quarter gram of concentrates, um, one cannabis seed plant. So that means, for example, if you are 18 years of age or older, you can legally possess up to 150 grams of fresh cannabis. Is that a lot? That doesn't seem like a lot to me. What's an ounce? It, can An ounce? <laughs> an ounce is 30 grams or something like that. Okay, because that is usually the people or I 28 know grams. who are avid smokers will buy at least an ounce at a time just because of you how much they go through You can't have more it. than an ounce on you in public anyways, which mm. is why they have the restriction okay, of 30 so grams. Th- okay. Right. And then there are actually some heavy punishments for breaking these restrictions. Um, so you're not allowed to like purchase from a non-licensed seller. Um, and if you actually provide cannabis to, cannabis to use, you can be charged with one of two crimes, or actually both. Mm. Um, you can be charged with giving or selling cannabis to youth, to, oh God, to youth, <laughs> or using a youth to commit a cannabis-related offense. Um, and the maximum penalties of which can result up to 14 years in prison. Whoa. I have yeah. questions because mm-hmm. I don't. I need to do more research about this, so I'm just kind of throwing this into the air. But the amount, like, years they can be sentenced to seems harsher than, like, a Other lot of, way like, for example, stuff. like, people who commit mm-hmm. sexual assault. Yeah. They, like, get, like, yeah. six months, and I'm like, what? Yeah, <gasps> but I think that's also just the idea of, like, drug-related offenses yeah. is also perpetuated by the idea of, like, the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and... it needs to be a harsh punishment. Yeah. Because of the children. Right. Exactly. You shouldn't protect children from sexual assaults. I have a question actually about Mm -hmm. um, use. So you know Mm. how, I don't know if I made this up in my head. Ooh, I'm about to sound stupid. Get ready. Um, You know that thing where for alcohol, the legal age of drinking in Ontario, for example, is 19. Mm -hmm. But is it 19? It's 19. Yeah. It's 21 in the States. Right. Mm -hmm. In some provinces, it's 18, right? In Montreal. It's 18 in Quebec. 
in, in Montreal, Montreal, I said, the province. province. You know why? Because people would go there, like, before they were legal yeah. here and go drink and stuff. Mm, but yeah, anyway. they're like, ooh, I'm spicy. <laughs> like, you're not. <laughs> but you know how, for example, with alcohol, they say, like, mm-hmm. in your own home, a parent can give. Again, this might not be true. But isn't there something that says, like, parents can allow children to drink under their own roof in privacy? If I think that's at a certain age. Like, once you're... I feel you're... like there is. Otherwise, we've been convinced of this. Because this is what I was told. Yeah, I feel like my parents were like, we're allowed to give you a glass of wine if you're 17 because we're mm-hmm. giving it to you as your parents and it's in the it's in our on our private property. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I wonder if there's any laws about that with weed. Um, I didn't see any and I like ran through quite a lot it. of it. I don't think so because I think weed is still very much like treated differently than alcohol yeah. mm-hmm. even though it's been legalized mm-hmm. and regulated now. Mm-hmm. That's true. Sorry to interrupt, Sabeka. Yeah. You were talking That's about okay. the, the d- illegal um, distribution, I believe, was next. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. if you actually illegally just dis- distribute or sell weed, you can face up to 14 years in jail. Jeez. Um, same with if you produce cannabis beyond the personal cultivation limit, um, as well as if you try to take cannabis across Canada's borders. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, a like, into thing. the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because they, like, where else... Now. Well, I guess if you're on a plane, mm. but like, also if you have more cannabis on you than is the legal limit, you can actually face up to five years in prison minus one day, which for like, I don't fucking so know why, mm-hmm. like why the okay, one day? Okay, but... that's very interesting. All right. So now, um, since we t- talked about some of the legalization in terms of the laws and legislation, I think it's a good idea to kind of look at where we are now. So since cannabis was legalized in 2018, we've actually had some time to look at what patterns of consumption, mm-hmm. um, what they're looking like two years after legalization. But um, a lot of the data that I found is actually from 2019. Mm. So it's about a year old, so mm-hmm. it could be out of date. And especially with like we we're talking about um, cannabis rates of use during the pandemic and where people are buying from probably are going to skew a lot of the data that would happen anyways. But I also feel like nobody's going to be reporting on cannabis for a bit because, you know, we got some bigger fish to fry. But these, uh, all of this information that I have come from two sources from transformdrugs.org and actually a PDF report from uh, CCSA, which is um the basically the canadian study on like cannabis legalization Mm. which will all be in the show notes yes so some of the highlights from the reports are that actually more people over the age of 45 are trying cannabis for the first time following legalization interesting (laughs) yeah so the gen x (laughs) as well as according to the transformed drugs article A lot of people say that they would move towards legal sources of cannabis when that would be made available through the legalization. But the numbers actually that came out a year later showed that not as many people switched from illegal to legal sources um, when purchasing. Hmm. But there's probably reasons for this. So from the National Cannabis Survey, the number of people purchasing illegally went from 51% to 38%. But the survey did not include minors as they would not be able to legally purchase. So that doesn't necessarily give the clearest picture of I see. 
who's all purchasing. Yeah. But the move to legal purchase actually could be explained as being slower because of the way in which each province actually handles the distribution of licenses. Like, mm-hmm. I know we were talking earlier about how Ontario did a lottery system. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as it can be dependent on the availability of stores and products. That's, that's um, exactly And the it. prices... Yeah. The prices are also a driving factor. So um, from the report, this is a quote, um, based on self-reporting data from the third quarter of 2019, Statistics Canada reported that the average cost of a gram of legal cannabis was 1023 compared to 559 (laughs) for illegal cannabis. So average legal cannabis prices did in fact decline marginally from the second quarter of 2019 mm. from 1065, although the price of illegal cannabis also continued to decline. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of the reasons that people are still not purchasing through legal sources as of a year ago is because of the price. It is too expensive to be buying your cannabis continuously through legal sources. Yeah. Right? I agree with that. And so, yeah. Like, if I think about how much I just spent on my order, um, certain things were kind of worth it in the scheme of, like, legalized products and the prices. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the stuff I was like, at this point, I'm just trying. But the amount I spent, I could have definitely gotten double of what Mm. we paid for, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And the article also notes that the strict regulations... um, will also make uh, the sales in legal markets grow more slowly because of the branding and the medical warning signs that are required Uh, to mm -hmm. be put on all the packaging, which is, like, not fun to look at. No, it's not, yeah. Almost, Mm -hmm. there has been one product so far, like, legal product, that I've looked at and been like, that branding looks nice. But all the other packaging, like, they're trying their hardest to make it look good but when you have to slap on that yellow warning and like the thc label and stuff like it's a lot right mm-hmm. yeah right so that then brings us to some of the problems that then have come with legalization um i know we touched on earlier about the disproportionate incarceration rates um and arrests mm-hmm. for indigenous and black people um but there are also some other problems that then come with legalization. Mm-hmm. So because marijuana was previously classified as an illegal substance, um, other than for medical usage, um, there are still people that are serving jail time for simple possession charges. Yeah. So in the summer of 2019, David Lametti, who is the justice minister, or was at the time, I'm not sure if he is anymore, Um, announced that the government had a plan for people who had marijuana convictions Hmm. uh, for possession to apply for a fast and free pardon because these convictions, um, they note, are actual barriers for people when trying to find things like employment and housing Mm -hmm. um, and even when traveling sometimes. Um, And especially since the people that are most affected by these barriers belong to minority groups. And this comes from a CBC article. Um, And now people who have pot convictions can actually apply for pardons through the Parole Board of Canada website. Mm -hmm. And the government actually estimates that more than a quarter million of Canadians have pot convictions um, in terms of possession. But 
even with this pardon system in place, um, and even if you apply and qualify, there could still be trouble um, when trying to like cross the border into the United States, depending on which state you're crossing into yeah. um, and what their legislation surrounding cannabis actually is. There's no guarantees when it comes to this pardon system. Mm. Because it doesn't fully actually, it doesn't remove the conviction. It just says, no, okay, exactly. so that record exactly. is still there. It doesn't remove so the record. expungement, yes. just... Exactly. Just, yeah. So that that comes from... I was going to talk about that. Yeah. And that comes from another <laughs> CBC article. Mm. Again, in the show notes, you'll find it. Um, about cannabis record suspensions. Um, so basically, uh, in the first year of the program, um, only 257 people were actually pardoned. Well. Um, and the process actually has to be started by the requestee, and it's really not a very fast process. And the only people that are actually eligible are people who have only possession charges. But that possession charge cannot be bundled with other charges, or mm-hmm. else you do not qualify oh for gosh. the program. Mm-hmm. And in the article, they talked to a lawyer in Toronto called, um, his name is Jack Lloyd. And he said that it's like a good start for all of this kind of stuff, but it's definitely not Mm -hmm. enough. And that the government actually needs to step up and apologize and acknowledge within law and legislation that it was wrong to criminalize cannabis Mm, possession. And by doing that, if they do that and introduce... um, an expungement Mm -hmm. that would be much better because Mm -hmm. a pardon is not the same as an expungement Mm -hmm. so essentially a pardon if you qualify and you are given this pardon you it won't be on your record it will kind of be like divorced from your criminal record yeah but it won't be the same as an expungement where an expungement is essentially the idea that it's as if you never committed the crime to begin with Mm -hmm. Oh, which, which would is be what more it effective should be. and more equitable yes especially because... if we're going to state like the government needs to state that it was never it should never have been punishable yeah that expungement exactly. is the only logical second step exactly mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah that's essentially what this is and there a bill bill c93 um which was essentially the bill that was introduced to kind of remove costs and barriers to these programs um, doesn't actually do a lot of good because in reality, according to um, the article, uh, the records aren't expunged like we talked about, um, as well as the fact that you as a person Mm -hmm. need to apply Mm -hmm. for this program. And for this program, you need to access the sorry, like your fingerprints and all these other types of documents Mm. that then you might have to pay for for yourself. You're not really accessing like an accessible piece of legislation or like a program or something like that. All of the costs associated should be covered. Like that is ridiculous. Exactly. Basically the cost that they don't have to pay anymore is paying to apply mm. but they definitely still have to most likely cover costs for like getting their fingerprints and stuff mm. like that or they have to like get a bunch of documents and the process itself like i read through it it's like it made me not want to apply like if i were in that mm-hmm, just yeah. by reading it i was like oh wow this is a lot it's, of work 
Yeah, and again, like we talked about earlier, it's really only for people who have possession charges. Mm. And if those charges have been bundled with something else, you're not eligible for the program. And they even say simple possession. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. like, what is not simple, then? I guess any, like, large-scale possession charges. This is, oh my gosh, it's really frustrating. And again, like, reflecting back on who it affects, it's like... Exactly. These communities of people who specifically black and indigenous folks as well as i'm sure people of color like it's the same groups of people who are um targeted by the justice system generally do you know what i mean that are then Uh being forced to like pay for all the other stuff to get it wiped from the record when really it should have been just wiped period for people especially that quote from that lawyer jack lloyd is like so powerful to me because stating that it has always been incorrect should truly have had everybody had an expungement for specifically at least simple possession everybody Mm -hmm. regardless of bundling with other charges in the article that he talks about how that's what's been done in california where Mm. they have um they also have legalization um where that's helped a vast like a lot more people um who've been in the criminal justice system for for like possession charges or anything to do with marijuana Mm -hmm. um possession anyways um but yeah so and you can't give people like the time energy trauma back do you know what i mean like this feels like the very least that should be done like it's not Mm -hmm. the maximum we're doing the bare minimum yeah and since and since this is not an expungement the government is giving you um and it's a pardon there's still a lot of barriers that you could face Mm. due to the fact that you still technically have a criminal record if you have a pardon so you can be i looked at a defense attorney attorney's website Mm. um and some consequences you can actually have to having a criminal record can make it a lot harder to find a job yeah um your employer could be able to fire you without any cause you could be not denied entry into into like certain countries um it could affect a visa application this is so frustrating. it affects um, everything because if you think about mm-hmm. like in the job process i know we go through it so quickly but in all the jobs i've applied for that especially if they've had an online submission system but even the forms if there's a bunch of things you need to fill out one of mm-hmm. the first questions is are you legally allowed to work in canada and yeah. have you had uh, you have record. a criminal record yeah yeah, yeah exactly because if and... you as you mentioned so many people have these charges it just like frustrates yeah. me because there is clearly a problem if the application numbers are low right and mm-hmm. then of course the clearing numbers are i'm sure even lower it's like Mm-hmm. it's makes it so obvious that there's barriers there that are yeah. limiting people from getting this like bare minimum kind of situation like uh, it's so frustrating I'm, I'm also just not sure if like your legal counsel like your lawyer may even advise you to do that they right. might just be like it's not worth it that's true oh well, my gosh and I then, read some... yeah if you don't I'm have sorry. legal counsel getting through mm-hmm. that must be so hard too yeah well i was i honestly so i don't know if we can link it because i don't remember if i linked it or what article it was Mm -hmm. but cbc had an article and it talked about um why are the numbers so low so it did mention um, one reason and they say that um surprisingly still a lot of people well a lot compared to how many actually got a pardon Mm. but a lot of people applied but through the process they get weeded out so that Mm -hmm. 200 and something number 
basically perfectly matches their uh, eligibility requirements. So right. anyone, as soon as you don't meet one requirement, you're like cut you're off cut from off. the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the thing is with the legalization and with these systems, these pardon systems that are put in place, it makes it look as if the government is doing a lot for people based on the fact that they've like now legalized it. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it still essentially upholds no, it does. 100%. The racial, like, disparity that you see mm-hmm. in, in just, like, prior pop convictions and things like that, as well as just, like, now weed is just, like, a trendy thing for white people to smoke yeah. without consequence. I saw even a TikTok more now. about this that really captured it well, where it was saying, like, the only reason that weed um, is being legalized in a lot of, um, I guess, more liberal-leaning states in the, um, in the states, yeah. uh, or the conversation mm-hmm. at the table in those kinds of states, and is legal in Canada, is because it's popular with white populations, right? And exactly. specifically affluent white populations. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason that other drugs will not, will, won't be criminal, uh, won't be legalized, mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. they are ways of oppressing marginalized groups, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, like, Ugh. I think I saw somewhere someone was like, what's it? I think the question was like, what's something that's uh, trendy for like rich people, but considered like trashy if you're not oh, and cocaine, you're like hard drugs, doing drugs. Yeah. Like, so and I crazy. Think that that's, it's obviously not just a classist thing. Mm. There's there's so much more there it's in terms racist, of disparity. Yeah, exactly. But like Mr. Justin Trudeau. Mm. And his unwillingness to acknowledge this. I know. Just looking away. Well, I, I'm so curious. I want to hear more about this PhD candidate at Carleton who's talking about, I'm looking in our document, that's talking about collateral impact mm. of punishment. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So this PhD candidate, in the CBC article they talked mm. to her, mm-hmm. um, she's a PhD candidate from Carleton University, Samantha right. McLeese, and she actually studies the collateral the collateral impacts of punishment. Mm. And she notes that the government actually missed like a huge opportunity to help people get past criminal records because mm. it's offering pardons as opposed to automatic expungements. And since already marginalized Canadians are more severely affected than others, it's something that's like really upsetting. Yeah. Cause she says, end quote, uh, black and indigenous people in Canada were disproportionately affected by cannabis yeah. prohibition laws, and that includes receiving convictions for minor possession of cannabis. 100%. So a pardon or this record suspension doesn't erase the fact that you're convicted of a crime, but it keeps the record separate from other criminal records. Mm. Okay. Which is essentially, it sounds great in theory, but when you're looking at the legality and the, the sort impact, of repercussions really, yeah. and impacts of what a suspension, a record suspension as opposed to an expungement means, mm-hmm. it, it's, not, it's not the same. I'm seeing here also that the NDP pushed for expungement. Yeah. Whereas the Liberal exactly. government was against it. Mm-hmm. But because... the Liberal government said that expungements are reserved for cases where a law is found to be unconstitutional. Isn't that exactly what yeah. we found? Yeah, they're dumb. Yeah. But anyway, before we get off track, I guess our final thoughts on legalization. How do we feel? Oh, yes. Well, yeah. I don't know. I think weed is definitely one of those substances that, like, 
it's only been legalized because the upper class white elite has asked for it. And has also like boutiqueified it in terms of an industry as an industry as well. And can afford to pay for the higher prices. We could also do an entire episode on the barriers to participating in the the legal marijuana industry if you have a past conviction or are a person of color. Mm -hmm. But like I think it's a good thing to have legalized it, especially Mm -hmm. especially for like like for medical use. Mm But I think it's obviously not perfect. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I agree. I think the main thing for me that is disappointing about it is that there are still people who have a criminal record Mm -hmm. and have potentially served time because of it. And their life... Do you know what I mean? Like, we've been like, we can't... Anyone else in future... Like, people in future, right, who follow these strict rules are going Mm -hmm. to... And they are strict, are going to be able to continue living their life in a certain way. Whereas folks who Mm -hmm. literally may have done less than the regulations as of right now are Mm -hmm. still being punished for something that has been deemed wrong. Like, it was always wrong. It wasn't wrong now. It was previously wrong. It just, it's Mm -hmm. like, it reminds me when I think about it. And I think about the fact that I can purchase it or you can purchase it. We can all purchase it comfortably. Mm -hmm. It's like something that weighs on my mind for sure. Yeah. I did like for sure that did cross my mind like that thought of like when I when I bought all the stuff I did and like met that limit mm-hmm. I was like wow like I look at me I'm just like able to literally with several clicks of a button get all this stuff meanwhile there are people mm-hmm. who are like who like went to jail for this like this and is crazy and are probably still incarcerated for this like yeah how how it's really really nuts and I think I feel I didn't realize how early on they like like a committee put a recommendation through that it should be legalized and now finally like how many years like 50 years later they're like okay like so we're gonna campaign to make it legal it's like what i like i'm just confused honestly yeah and it's it's yeah it's it's literally been full progressiveness for mr j true again Yes, I didn't. I think knowing the history as well, the timeline was especially helpful, Sefeka, because knowing the how long this has kind of been under review. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. the fact that more than once it's been under liberal governments specifically, like they've tried to make legalization happen, is so interesting mm-hmm. because, like, I truly thought it was a very recent thing. Me too. Yeah, yeah me too. I just think like maybe something we can do uh, after post episode and or maybe in the beginning of our next episode we can talk about it. I'd love to look into if there's any ways we can partake in supporting or advocating for um, the the expungement process or if there's any petitions we can send like, or absolutely. things we can do. So um, listen out for that either in the next episode mm-hmm. or it'll be in our show notes with our links to the articles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because. Yeah, there are people out there that their lives have been fundamentally different because of this. Mm-hmm. And we, if we can do something to change that, that would we be should. awesome. Yeah, exactly. We, need, exactly. we honestly need to, as yeah. like decent mm-hmm. human being citizens, like that's <laughs> yeah. you don't have to pay money to do that. That's a thing. Too. Yeah. No, exactly. So. Oh, before we okay. forget, oh. um, 
we wanted to let you all know, all two of you out there, that we are going to be talking about We see you book. listeners, and we appreciate you. Um, yeah, we special do. Special shout out to friend of the pod, Zarin, um, <laughs> for the feedback <laughs> and the support. Um, but yes, uh, we wanted to let you know that we're going to be reading and discussing a book in two episodes time. Um, we're going to be discussing... Um, a lot of different books in our segment called Listen Up Comrades. Um, some of it, of course, will be leftist literature, but also we want to be reading um, anti-racist stuff and just generally learning together from books and then discussing it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for this episode, we're going to start with So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo, and we're going to be um, reading it and then talking about what we've learned, but also making up some actionable steps for how we're going to use it in our lives. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be really good. We've I know all been meaning to read this for a little bit. Yeah. So we're and really we excited. all are able have access to a copy now. So yep. um, we're gonna do that. That will be in two weeks time. Yeah. Um, just to yep. give us some time to read through that. Yeah. To actually oh, read it. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to read it by any chance and you haven't, um, the Toronto Public Library has e copies available on Libby right now. Um, there are a few copies available. Um, and m- most likely would be on the Hamilton Public Library, my yeah. guess is. Check your library. It's a really uh, popular probably. book right now um, with everything going on in the world. Yeah. It's considered one of the, I know by a lot of people, it's like a very important first text to read. So yeah. we're excited. Um, mm-hmm, please mm-hmm. take a look if you want to. If not, no problem. We'll be talking yeah. about it. Okay, y'all. Boop, boop. Stay safe. Stay hydrated. Yeah. But yeah, have a great day, and uh, hope to see you, or, well, hope you guys listen. That's okay, too. Um, Oh, if you want to have a great week, you can email us. Oh, yeah. Or tweet at us. Okay. Do whatever you want. Yeah, do whatever. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.